morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. I'm so excited for today's show. My guest is an expert in pediatric orthopedics, an orthopedic surgeon for children. And it's important for you to realize in every facet of life, kids are not just young adults. They're immature mentally, physically, and in how their bones are growing. Injuries to the skeleton, while it's still growing, while the bone is still with growth plates, is a specialty unto itself. We treat them differently. We worry about things differently. If you tell an adult you rolled your ankle, you sprained your ankle, it's because the ligament is weaker than the bone. It can happen. You get a sprained ankle in an adult. But if you're still growing, the growth plate in the bone is weaker than the ligament. So if you ever are told that your kid has sprained any joint, I need you to be on the lookout. That diagnosis may not be correct. You better make sure they haven't had an injury to their growth plate, which, by the way, does not show up on the x-ray. So it's a whole specialty, and Dr. Natasha Trentacosta is going to be calling in at 8.15, and I really look forward to talking to her about the uniqueness of why kids are not young adults, certainly in the field of medicine. But it made me think all week, since I love the world of art, I love the world of sports, and I love the world of surgery, and to me, they're the same. So where is the connection? Where do we see in the world of art, sports, and surgery, kids being treated as adults, where a lot can go wrong and a lot can go right? So there are two examples in art and in music. One, Stevie Wonder. He used to be called Little Stevie Wonder because as a teenager, he was already making records. And Stevie Wonder still is one of the most popular singer-songwriters of all time. A true success story. But there's an example that predates Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson with the Jackson 5. The stem cell, if you will. And his name was Frankie Lyman. And his band was called Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. And in 1956, they had the number one hit in America. Frankie Lyman was only 13 years old. You know what, Rebecca? Let's play Why Do Fools Fall in Love. This is the song that in 1956 was the number one record in America. Singing at, this is Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Listen to this song. Catchy beat, but it's this young showman right front and center with a giant T on his T-shirt sweater because it was the teenagers. Well, Frankie Lyman died at age 25. Terrible. You're going to hear some more of his hits during the show. But they were the 
the stem cells that started it all. But it was too much, too quick. And a heroin, heroin overdose did Frankie Lyman in. Because he's still a kid. He ain't an adult. He didn't have the blessings of Stevie Wonder. And in sports, my favorite teenager who took over the world, who did it right, is LeBron James. But you're going to hear interviews of LeBron James when he's only 16 years old about what he's going to do with his life and how he's going to play basketball and how he's going to set things up. What you'll hear is the reason for his success. Yes, he's a kid, but he very importantly had a mom behind the scenes making sure he was making a lot of the right decisions. That guidance is necessary in art, in sports, and in surgery. And we're going to get into it today. That's today's topic. The whole idea that kids are not young adults. LeBron James, Frankie Lyman. And in surgery, my guest, Dr. Trent Acosta, is going to explain to us the unique difficulties of treating kids because you have to worry about that skeleton that's still growing. What about clapper vision? Well, one of my favorite pediatric injuries that I've taken care of so many times over the years is a knee injury in kids where the blood supply to the bone has caused damage where the bone has died. And in the knee, it's a fancy word, it's called osteochondritis dissecans. And literally, you can see it on the x-ray, but a kid presents to your office with a big swollen knee You look at the x-ray and you see literally where a piece of the bone is missing. And it comes from a circulation issue. Here's the clapper vision. Our bone is like Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe, one of the most beautiful lakes in California, is a big, beautiful lake because it's fed by multiple streams. So if a beaver builds a dam on one of those streams and blocks that flow into the lake, There's 20 other streams that are feeding the lake. Lake Tahoe doesn't dry up. But Toluca Lake, which is a man-made lake, literally has a pipe with a valve. You shut the valve off, the lake dries up because it's a man-made lake with literally a pipe. Well, if you have bone, like your kneecap, it's like Lake Tahoe. You have multiple streams, multiple blood vessels that feed that bone. So if you fracture or injure one of the blood vessels, the rest of the blood vessels can make up for it and your kneecap stays alive. But there are certain patients where there's only a single blood vessel to a certain part of the bone. And if you injure that, jumping off the monkey bars, jumping off the seesaw, whatever it is that a kid would do, and you block that blood supply, that bone will die because it's like Toluca Lake not Lake Tahoe. So there's a clap revision for you. All right, let's get into today's show. Rebecca, let's listen to the story of Frankie Lyman. This is from 1956. Listen to his bubbling enthusiasm. He's taken over the world with a number one hit, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, which he co-wrote with Herman Santiago. But let's go through one through six, their first TV appearance, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. But now we come to a mood that is the product of our present generation. 
The bubbling enthusiasm of our teenagers was the inspiration for what is now the most popular style of music in the country, rock and roll. A few short weeks ago, five teenage boys went into a recording studio and they said they had a song they wanted to sing. Well, it took a little time, three weeks to be exact, but they were heard and their song was recorded. It is now the number one record in America. Well, the song is, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? They'll call themselves the Teenagers. You guys are the teenagers. That's right, Mr. Lane. Come on, boys. Let's I sing our song now. That's a lot of you? Yes, sir. Can we sing now? What you do? I have to make my money before my voice changes. Good <laughs> news for you, Dad. It ain't going to go much lower. You're in a barrel now. Frankie, you amaze me. Tell me something. You're only 13 years old, and yet you wrote this big hit. How did it ever happen? Well, Mr. Lane, one day I was dressing, and the inspiration came to me, so I wrote the song. Oh. Well, what was the inspiration? I needed a new suit. <laughs> pretty good reason. But I can't understand how you could write Why Do Fools Fall in Love. What does a 13-year-old boy know about love? Well, Mr. Lane... I've been falling in love since I was only five. Five? <laughs> but I've been a fool about it since I was 11. Well, don't complain, lad. You've only had two rough years. I think we've had enough of this little chit-chat. This is your first nationwide television appearance, isn't it? 1956. And I know that everybody's waiting to hear you sing, so are you ready to rock and roll it? That's right. That means I ought to get lost, huh? About it. He is so dynamic. He had the world, the world in the palm of his hand. Rebecca, let's go to sound bites two through four from Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. This is with Alan Freed. Um, but here also you're going to hear from Richard Barrett, the record producer, about how impressed he was meeting Frankie Lyman, but also how they took advantage of him. Two through four. See him so tiny on the stage, bursting with so much talent, with something that was really spectacular. He was just a natural-born talent. He was a, he was born for the stage, and it only lasted a short time, which is which will, I guess it will plague me the rest of my life. We all grew up in New York City in the early fifties. We all hung out together. We went to school together. And we sang together. At that time, singing on the street corners was the thing to do. It was a way to get noticed. And one day we did. There would be a time in his later years when he would have been able to understand what he was doing and what his worth was. 
But nobody was going to stop and tell him then. They were too busy taking his money from him. Mm. Who's going to tell you what you're worth if they're putting it in, your po- in their own pockets? You follow me? This is the story of Frankie and the group. That's record producer Richard Barrett talking about he's a teenager. He's a 13-year-old. He's getting taken advantage of. This is the problem. You cannot treat the skeleton that's still growing the same way. You need guidance. You need someone smart to know what to do and respect the growth plates. Um, it's, it's just different. What about in sports? Here's an example, LeBron James, where he has the correct guidance because he has his mom. Let's listen to 16-year-old LeBron James pre-junior year. He's still in high school. But get ready for you to hear his mom, Gloria James, talking about, listen, this is all happening faster than we expected, and he's going to stay in high school. He's not, he was, there were rumors that he was going to leave high school and go into the NBA. But you needed to have someone behind the scenes recognizing he's just a kid. Let's listen to one through three. James enters his last two years of high school as the top prospect in the nation. I don't want nobody to pass me. I mean, they say I'm the best player in the country, and I wanted to keep it that way for the next two years. I always knew he was going to be good. I got to admit, never knew it was going to get this big, though. James spent the summer showcasing his talents at various camps throughout the United States, but attracted nationwide attention for his dominating performance in mid-July at the ABCD camp in New Jersey. I just wanted to play my game. My game is to, I can score, but I can pass to, and I can read, but I can do so many things that can help my team win, and that's what I did. It was also during that camp that stories began to surface about James hoping to become the first to leave high school early and turn pro. But as he prepares to enter his junior season here at St. Vincent St. Mary, he and his mother decided to set the record straight. To squash it all, he's going to finish high school. It's, everything is coming fast enough. There's no need to rush it. I never considered that. You know, um, it wasn't even the thought. You know, you really can't even do that. I, I don't want to go through that. I want to graduate with my class. I, I got three best friends, uh, Drew, Willie, and Shion. And um, high school, you can't come back to. And um, you know, prom, you can't come back to. I talked to um, Tracy McGrady when I was in New Jersey, and he just told me a lot of things that just inspired me. Like, when you get out of the court, you got no friends. And you know, um, when I get out on the court, you know, um, sometimes I underestimate who I'm playing against because they might be on the same level as me. But he told me that it don't matter who you're playing, you just got to kill them. And you know, um, <laughs> that's what I'm coming into the year next year with. And you know, um, whoever we play, I'm coming out to get them. So LeBron James had his mom, and he had Tracy McGrady telling him, you get on the court, you have no friends. You're just a 16-year-old kid. Stay in high school. Let's listen to... Two other comments of LeBron James, just as a teenager, but you can appreciate how much his mom is helping him make these decisions. And his mom recognizing he is just a kid. He's not a young adult. Let's go to 16-year-old LeBron James, best in the NBA. You know, um, every day you got to go out there and work because there's someone out there working too. And if you stop, I think they can pass you up. So every day my coaches push me. I push myself and my teammates push me. My mother brought me up. Um, real good. And um, it's pretty easy because the way I was brought up, she taught me so much things besides basketball. And I just hope that helps me be level-headed. I wish Frankie Lyman had a mom like Gloria James. 
How about 2001 LeBron interview? Let's listen to that. As far as college basketball, is that something you've been asked probably 6,000 times? Let's say you're, this is your senior year, two years from now, and you and I are sitting down talking. What do you think it's going to come down to? You know, um, I don't know. I just got to, um, when that when it comes, I just got to sit down with my coach and um, sit down with my mom and see what's the best option. You know, um, should I make this move or should I make that move? But um, right now, I don't know too much. Um, I'm just happy, so happy right now. You know, we just want to stay championship. And um, when that role comes, we'll cross now let's listen. He signs out of high school, LeBron James. This is his interview where he's joining the Cleveland Cavaliers as a rookie. It sounds like he's a full-grown man, but he's still a teenager. But listen to so many of the things that he says here. It's exactly like listening to him now in his mid-30s. Let's go one through six. There's no pressure. There's no pressure at all. I've been getting pressure since I was 10 years old. I don't think there's no pressure for me because I'm doing something that I love to do. That's play the game of basketball. <clears throat> I'm doing the same thing that y'all love to do, and that's y'all like to watch me play basketball. <laughs> if I ask y'all that question, y'all gonna say the same thing. I mean, is there any pressure to ask me these questions? It's no pressure because y'all y'all know how to do what y'all do, right? Well, you know, I never say myself. I always say my team. It's not about myself. It's just about how well as a team we can grow, as a family and just get better every single day because the other teams out there is getting better every day. And if we take one step backwards, we're going to end up like we was this year. And we don't want that to happen again. Uh, I hope I hope I can uh, put a lot of smiles back on the people's faces in Cleveland. You know, the baseball team is going through a transition right now. And basketball team, you know, football team is really starting to kick in now. And I hope, you know, the basketball team, we're going to, y'all going to be, y'all going to be excited about coming to the games. I'm not going to guarantee no championship. I tell you that. I'm just going to. I'm. I'm guarantee that we get better every day, and uh, that's the thing that you guys don't see. That comes from practice. Sometimes you have practice, but sometimes you're not. I just know that we're going to get better every day, and we're going to be a. We're going to be a lot better team than last last year. I can guarantee that. Mm. You know, they, they be your friend until you get on the team. I just hope that they accept me for who I am as a basketball player, and especially as a person. You know, I'm not coming into the team right away trying to be a leader. But if they get that to me, I know how to be a leader. But I'm just going to accept my role until I have to do something, you know. But uh, I'm just going to just try to get our team better every day. Physically, be I be ready. I just feel, I don't know. It's no different for me. I know how to play the game of basketball. I'm not saying that to be cocky. I just, I think I know how to play the game of basketball. And I don't change my game when I'm playing against anyone. I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing who's going to be our coach. If there's going to be Keith Smart going to stay or we're going to get somebody in there because as soon as we get a new coach, as soon as I'll be able to get a good relationship with him. There's no doubt LeBron James has this great God-given talent, works as harder than anybody else. There's no doubt Frankie Lyman, with a tremendous God-given talent, works super hard at it. But kids are not young adults in art, in sports, and in surgery. Thank God for Gloria James being behind the scenes in the life of LeBron James. That's why he got to rise and get the full use out of his gifts that God gave him. Remember that. Kids are not young adults. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. 
Kids are not young adults, and nobody knows that better than my next guest, the great Dr. Natasha Trentacosta. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Appreciate it. Anytime. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. So let's let the me. listeners learn why Cedars is so proud of you and where you come from. What did your dad do for a living, and how did you pick orthopedic surgery of all things to go into in life? Take us back to the beginning, Natasha. Sure. I grew up, um, similar to yourself, back in New York. I actually grew up on Staten Island. Um, and both my parents were actually surgeons. They were both OBGYN. Um, so I sort of grew up around that, that, uh, a surgical specialty. Um, and growing up, I always, I always liked, uh, I always liked biology. I always liked using my hands. Um, so, you know, when I went to college, I went to Brown for undergrad and, uh, tried to distract myself from other stuff, uh, economics and, and art history. But mm-hmm. uh ended up actually loving the sciences, uh, doing all the pre-med requirements, um, went to med school. And just that summer prior to med school, I did an internship at um, the Hospital of Special Surgery with uh, Dr. Hannafin and Schubenstein and Callahan. And that's actually where my love of orthopedics fell, um, where, I, where I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was an amazing experience. And, and not only that, seeing, you know, these strong women in orthopedics. So that was mm-hmm. my first experience with orthopedics, which is not the typical, um, right. of an orthopedic surgeon. You're talking about, you know, 6% female in orthopedic surgery. Wow. Um, you know, I was seeing them every day that summer. Um, and that's what I knew. And, and it happened, you know, they, they, they have a sports you know, sports clinic. So I was seeing sports injuries and I was a former athlete, played softball, um, ran track, did track and field. So um, it was this natural inclination, you know, uh, toward helping athletes get better, um, get back into the game that, that attracted me to ortho. And it's, uh, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun specialty. So It is a fun specialty and special yeah. surgery is where I trained of uh, 84 to 88. I was there. Uh, Joe Hennepin hadn't got, she just got there a little bit after I left, but uh-huh. what a tremendous orthopedic surgeon and mind she is for yeah. women in sports and her whole uh, angle of looking at orthopedics. You need someone like her to kind of smack the guys up on the head to realize, Hey, <laughs> we're different and, yeah. uh, good for you. You learn from the best. That's fantastic. I want yeah, the audience to understand that it is different. You can't, you don't want to be telling a kid that they sprained their ankle or sprained their wrist or their elbow because the weak, the weaker structure in an adult, yeah, it's the ligament, but in a kid who's still growing, weaker than the ligament is the growth plate. Teach us a little bit about what, what you look for when you have a kid with pain and swelling in a joint. And the x-rays are negative. What goes through your mind? Sure. Um, like you've been saying, kids are not small adults, and one of those features is the presence of those growth plates. And um, the growth plates are how those bones get longer. So until they stop growing in their teenage years, that is present there. Um, you know, lots of times, yes, we, we get x-rays and we can see a, a fracture line, whether it's above, below, or going into that growth plate. But sometimes that's just not present. Um but there could still be an injury at that area, that area of the growth plate, because it's not calcified, because it's, um, it's cartilage. Cartilage cannot be seen on an x-ray. Um, 
there is a high suspicion that always runs through my mind of um, an injury through a growth plate. If they're tender in that area when we're, pre- you know, if I press on it, mm-hmm. um, if they're swollen in that area. Um, so most, uh, you know, doctors will make the assumption that there is an injury through the growth plate and, and treat it as such because of that. Um, an MRI is usually not necessary, but if an MRI does get done, you will see the injury on an MRI. Mm-hmm. In an adult, mm-hmm. you break your bone, you break your bone. We see what used to be one piece now in two pieces. Yeah. But in kids, uniquely to the growing skeleton, you have something called a green stick fracture. Teach us a little bit about what that means. So, yeah, so a green stick fracture is a common thing that I will see in kids, um, often most times in the forearms. Uh, and so as opposed to adults who, like you were mentioning, their bones are, are more brittle when we get older. You know, you break the bone, one piece goes in one direction, the other piece goes in the other direction. In kids, their bones could be a little bit more plastic. So they see the same forces that an adult sees, but maybe that, that fracture doesn't exactly break the bone on, on all of those walls, those cortices, where one piece is going in one direction, the other one's going in the other. There's still a, an attachment, but a bend to the bone. And so mm-hmm. that's when the doctors are calling it a green stick fracture. That's what we're talking about. Got it. I bet you you must get asked all the time with the helicopter parents that we have nowadays, how tall will my child be? <laughs> How do you answer that? What do you look for? Do you look at their pelvis? Do you look at the growth at the knee? Teach us about what your mindset is about how to answer that question. How tall will my child be? It's a good question, especially when we start talking about growth plate injuries to parents in the office. I often get that question. Um, and in terms of their final height, a lot of it is genetics. You know, it depends on, you know, how tall mom is and how tall dad is. Um, but you know, there is, there are markers that we can use. One of the traditional ones is getting a wrist x-ray in terms of seeing how much growth a, um, a child still has left. Um, it, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's growth plates that we see throughout the wrist and the hand bone that give us a sense of, is this child an early bloomer or a late bloomer? Are they, are, are does their age, their chronological age of 14 match what their bones look like? We usually say girls stop growing around 14 and boys stop growing around 16. But, you know, mm-hmm. as we know, there, that, that varies um, from person to person. So um, I usually can give parents an idea of, you know, how, much, how many more years of growth a child has. And that's important for me, too, especially when there's an injury around a growth plate, because I can never tell how badly a growth plate is injured on an x-ray. I could just warn that this may be injured and we need to watch it until it stops growing. Mm-hmm. Because an injured growth plate can lead to a closed growth plate or a partially closed growth plate, which can lead to um, abnormalities in that growth of that bone. Either mm-hmm. it gets shorter or it turns at a certain angle because of the injury to that growth plate. And so I particularly use, um, you know, the, uh, that system of uh, checking how much longer a child has to grow in order mm-hmm. to tell um, how much longer we need to watch that injury post-healing. Hmm. I'm talking to Dr. Natasha Trentacosta, someone Cedar sinai is so proud of. She's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, and kids are not young adults. You really need a whole separate specialty to treat them differently. Natasha, I'm so old that when I was training, <laughs> they beat us over the head 
that whenever you're taking care of a kid, someone's still growing, make sure you take an x-ray of the other side. If it's their elbow that hurts, on the right side, you better get an x-ray of the side that doesn't hurt because the subtleties that you may think are a fracture actually is just normal for this kid. Now in the world of MRIs at your uh, convenience that maybe we didn't have in the 80s and 90s, do you just go right to an MRI or do you find it still helpful to take an x-ray of the other the other joint that's normal? It's a good question. Uh, it's still very helpful. Um, I use it in the office, and I know um, a lot of uh, urgent care and pediatricians will use it in the office as well. It really does, especially, you know, when we're talking about joints like the elbow, where you have a lot of these small growth plates or apotheses in that elbow that I think people who are used to seeing a fully mature elbow, you know, will we'll assume that this is a fracture. It helps to compare. You can see differences um, in, in in the size of what looks like that growth plate to see if something moved in that injured elbow. Um, mm-hmm. And it's quicker. You know, they're in the office. You're able to get it, you know, uh, relatively, you know, inexpensive, um, uh, you know, and, and treat them right away. As opposed to the MRI, that, that can often take longer waiting for approvals and, um, and getting that scheduled. And it's a longer study. Got it. All right. I want to definitely get into something that you're really passionate about that's in your wheelhouse, which is the difference between boys versus girls, women and injuries, as well as pediatrics. And uniquely to that will be the ACL. I really want to go into a little bit more detail with you for that. And if it's okay with you, can you hang on the line? I just want to do another segment with you. No problem. Okay, great. We'll pay some bills. Coming up next, we're going to get into when a kid tears their ACL and why do more girls have ACL injuries than boys? We got an expert, Dr. Trent Acosta, coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Such a treat to be joined by someone so smart and capable, the great Dr. Trent Acosta, an expert in pediatric orthopedic surgery. So, Natasha, I just want to ask you, why do we see so many more ACL tears in girls versus boys? All of the risk factors, pelvis being wider, is there a hormonal aspect? Is it the way the notch is shaped? Take us through your opinion of why three times, four times more ACL tears are seen in girls than in boys. It's a great question. It's something that, you know, I see often uh, in the offices, you know, especially being here in L.A. and Southern California, the adolescent female soccer player uh, coming in with their with an ACL injury. Lots of research has gone into this um, in terms of why are we seeing this in these adolescent females more than their male counterparts. Um, like you mentioned, there's anatomical issues. There's um, the pelvis size contributing to the alignment of their lower extremities, of their legs. Females tend to be more knock-kneed, which can put them at risk. Of course, that's something that we can't change. That's how, you know, that's how they, they develop. Um, there's within the knee, the notch size, like you were saying, that space where that ACL is pa- passing through tends to be smaller. The ACL itself tends to be smaller, probably because of that notch being smaller. Um there's also, uh, mm-hmm. yes, hormonal differences that come out during those adolescent years. 
Um, this is definitely an area of more ongoing research. We haven't quite figured out which are the protective um, uh, hormones, and it's something that I'm actually working with um, at, at Cedars in the coming years is, is trying to figure out and, and better elucidate which, is, which hormones and which ones may be protective. You know, maybe we can, um, you know, alter mm-hmm. it and help, help prevent ACL injuries um, um, uh, with, with um, over-the-counter, you know, or, or, or uh, oral contraceptive pills or something like that. Um, and then there's the, the, the one that probably gets the, the most, um, you know, interest and seems to be very important is, is the neuromuscular control and the biomechanics um, of, of females, the way that they land from a jump in basketball or volleyball, the way that they um, stop mm-hmm. and cut and change dire- directions in soccer. Um, the way women tend to do it, girls tend to do it compared to their men, it, compared to men is they tend to have a, a straighter knee, um, which is not protective when they're landing from a jump. They tend to have that knee fall into that knock knee or what mm-hmm. we call a valgus position when they're changing directions or stopping or slowing down in soccer. Um, and, and that seems to put that ACL and put a lot of force right across that ACL um, at, at that moment, which can lead to it just rupturing. Um, and because of that, we have, you know, we've developed programs to try to, to help alter or, or improve the neuromuscular control of all athletes. And so that's, that's where a lot of... Re- you know, Dr. Bert Mandelbaum's a good... Yes. Dr. Bert Mandelbaum's a good friend of mine. He's been on the show a couple of times, a true uh, trailblazer in orthopedics, and I know you spent some time with him. Tell us briefly, but I've got about a minute left, of some of the exercises that he's come up with to help prevent an ACL tear, particularly in girls and young soccer players. What, what, if you could describe, what would be some of those exercises that a young girl could do to help her prevent tearing her ACL without contact? Yes, Dr. Amanda Baum and Holly Silvers, they, they developed a very, um, a very successful program, the PEP program, PEP, that um, is meant to be implemented two to three times a week um, for drills. And it focuses on specifically uh, running drills, strengthening exercises for the gluteal muscles, which help protect the knee, the core. All of keeping that strong helps improve the alignment. Um, plyometric work, agility mm-hmm. exercises, and especially um, stretching and flexibility. Um, the idea is, uh, and I tell, you know, I always um, show this to patients and give this to patients in post-ACL reconstruction. You know, it's yes, it's about getting stronger in that post-ACL, um, you know, rehab state, but it's also about preventing the same injury from happening again or having it on, on the other knee. Mm-hmm. Um, so having, mm-hmm. you know, very strong gluteal muscles, working on building up those hamstring muscles as well, and, and watching, I always tell the, the especially the female athletes um, uh, that are uh, following an ACL reconstruction is, re- reconstruction, is doing these exercises in the mirror. You know, you're at a gym, you're in a physical therapy location. It's a lot easier to do it there, but even at home, watching the alignment of, of their lower extremities, having the hip aligned over the knee, over the ankle, all in line so that that knee is mm-hmm. not falling into that valgus or knock knee position when they're doing squats or single leg squats or exercises of that nature. Hmm. So fascinating. Is there a particular area of interest that you have in pediatrics 
Is it the spine, the hand, the elbow, the knee? Where is it? Um, I, I love it all. You know, I don't, I, I don't do much spine, but uh, or any for that matter. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are doctors for that, but um, particularly the knee is um, a passion of mine. Um, it's what I had started, you know, researching back when I was, um, you know, at HSS, looking into ACL injuries in females and 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 particularly adolescent females. So that's always been, a, you know, a passion of mine. But um, I sort of see everything, you know, wrist injuries, shoulder injuries, elbow injuries, ankle fractures, ankle, you know, sprains, like we talked about earlier. So. Um, mm-hmm. But the knee, the knee is definitely. Well, Natasha, we are lucky at Cedars to have someone like you with a particular interest, who recognizes the difference between girls and boys and has a passion for kids who are still, or I should say, skeletons that are still growing, kids, knowing to treat them differently than adults. I want to thank you so much for making time to be with us this morning. It was really, really educational. Thank you for having me. Okay, pleasure. All right, that's the great Dr. Natasha Trentacosta from Cedar sinai Coming up next, the number is 877-710-ESPN. The clinic will be open, and i got to tell you what I've discovered about a new kind of pepper that I put on my salad, which makes it feel like I'm back in a delicatessen in New York. I'll explain coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.